Refugee Sunday. It's also the second Sunday of our new summer playlist sermon series in the Psalms. So in a moment, we're going to be looking together at another prayer of David in Psalm 142, and we're going to discover the heart of God for the weak and for the vulnerable in our world. We've already seen a a short video this morning. Uh, Hold on a second. My notes are going wacky on me here. All right. Let's try this again. Uh-oh. Oh, I see what's happening. Give me just a minute here. Technology, right? Uh, you know what? Here we go. Uh, there it is. All right. All is well. <laughs> I like my notes to scroll, not turn. So I was trying to scroll and it wasn't doing it. So, all right, here we go. Uh, so we've already seen a video this morning uh, with you know raising awareness of this issue of, of refugees. Uh, just a few highlights: eighty-two point four million men and women and children forcibly displaced. In the world today, 30,000 people a day are newly displaced from their homes. Uh, About one in every 95 people in the world displaced. About half of them are children, and about uh, another half are women and girls. And today, refugees are perhaps the most vulnerable people in the world, and, and they're people for whom God cares. Greatly, many in the in the Bible were refugees, uh, including the entire nation of Israel, uh, the early church, and Jesus Himself was a refugee. So, hear the heart of God this morning for the stranger and the alien. Uh, this is from Leviticus nineteen. It says, "When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God." Because God cares for them, so should we. May our hearts be united with the heart of God for the weak and for the vulnerable. And even more so, we're told that in the Gospels, that when we serve the weak and the vulnerable, we are actually serving Jesus. Isn't that profound? Hear these words from Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. As I was preparing this sermon, uh, researching potential opportunities for refugee ministry in our area, I learned that 
uh, this area has a history of, uh, of helping refugees. Back in the 1990s, uh, the Hudson Valley helped uh, settle uh, 80 Bosnian families fleeing Yugoslavia. Uh, but sadly, I learned that in, in 2016, a Vassar College professor began to organize an effort to serve refugees uh, in partnership with uh, Church World Services. But this was met with pretty strong opposition from people in the community. And ultimately, the initiative was, was halted because the city decided to not receive any more uh, refugees into the area. And my hope, my hope for us as Fishkill Baptist Church is that because of the love of Jesus that we have been shown, the transforming power of the gospel, that our church would be a voice for the weak and vulnerable. We've had a recent history of serving the poor and the homeless. And last week, I just wanted to share uh, with you something that we all did together, but you probably didn't realize it. Uh, each month, you, uh, we give you an opportunity to give toward our Deacon Benevolence Fund, and that fund is used to help people in need. Well, uh, early last week, I, I saw a Facebook message come into our, our church Facebook page, and it was a man asking for help. He said, uh, my family and I are stranded. We need help. Uh, we're trying to get down to our home in North Carolina. We just need some gas. And so I reached out to him. Now, granted, I, I tend to be skeptical of things like this. And so I'm, I'm reading this thinking, all right, what's, what's the scam here? Uh, and my wife and I prayed about it. And we just had a peace from the Lord to pursue it and, and find out what, what's going on here. And uh, so I reached out to this man. And I said, where are you? He said, I'm in the uh, Dunkin' Donuts parking lot across from Walmart and Fishkill. And so I said, can you get over to the mobile station? And he said, yeah. I said, I'll meet you there. And sure enough, uh, I meet this guy. He's, he's in a pickup truck with North Carolina plates. The back's all loaded up with furniture trying to get down to North Carolina. He has three small children in the back seat of the car and his wife's pregnant in the, in the, passenger, in the passenger seat there. And um, he was just so grateful. Uh, I said, you know, where, where did you guys spend the night last night? He said, we all slept in the truck together. Uh, and that was the night. Do you remember the night last week that was really windy and rainy? And they were in the truck together in the, in the Walmart parking lot, the, that family of five, with a pregnant wife, due any day now, really. And so um, we, uh, we used some benevolence fund um, Funds to uh, fill their gas tank, and I got them a gas card and and some money to uh, get some food, and uh, we we got them a hotel for that night on their way down to North Carolina. And uh, he sent me some pictures along the way, letting us know that they got there safely, and was just you know so tremendously uh, blessed by uh, our ability to help them, our willingness to help them. And so, uh, church, that's, that's something that I want you to see it in this way, right? I want you to see that as the gospel at work in your lives, in our lives. And the gospel makes us generous. And we give to this benevolence fund. Uh, and we were able to help this family last week uh, in, in a really special way. And so, praise God for that. Praise God for that. But let's look now at Psalm 142, where we'll hear the heart of God when David was a refugee fleeing King Saul. 
who sought his life in a jealous rage. Last week we saw David in the later years of his life fleeing his son Absalom. Now we're at the beginning pre-kingship where he's fleeing King Saul. These words from David came at a time when he was hiding in a cave, alone, powerless. And as we see the heart of David poured out to God, may we see this morning God's heart for the weak and for the vulnerable. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to please stand with me as we read the word of God this morning. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time to be in your word together. Father, we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word, that it would be clear and that it would be powerful, and that through the preaching of your word, your spirit would stir in our hearts Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears. May we see the beauty and the treasure before us and may we be changed and made more like Jesus as a result. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It's almost 11 o'clock, so if, you're, if you didn't get the memo that we're starting at 10 today, welcome. Let's discover the heart of God, shall we? for the refugee, and for more broadly, for the weak and the vulnerable. We're going to do this by breaking down David's prayer into four points. And they all begin with P, so that's going to be easy for us. And I have to give credit here to Derek Kidner. Uh, This uh, outline came from his commentary on the Psalms. The four Ps are this. My plea, my plight, my portion, and my prospect. My plea, my plight, my portion, and my prospect. So starting off here, my plea. Look at verses one and two. David's emotions are intense. This is not a silent prayer of of the heart. It's vocal. It's audible. He's crying out. With my my voice, he says, I cry out. With my voice, I plead, David says, And I'd venture to guess that not many of our personal prayers can be described like this. This isn't a judgment on your prayer life. Don't don't take it in a way that I'm not meaning it. But our our prayers sometimes can seem routine. 
So what does it take to, to lift our prayers to this level of intensity? I think that uh, oftentimes God uses trouble. He uses trouble to, uh, to jar us and to, to elevate our pleading to him. Uh, recently, you know, we, uh, we came together as a church family and we, we, uh, we cried out and we pleaded together with, with the Grove family in their crisis, in their moment of crisis. I remember being on some of those Zoom prayer meetings and just the tears and the, the heartfelt uh, prayers that were being offered up. It, it was in a moment of crisis that we just pleaded with the Lord to intervene there and we are so thankful that he answered our prayers. Amen. Amen. It's easy. It's in the easy times that it seems our prayers are easy, but they take on a whole new urgency when severe trials come our way. So David's plea here is is out loud, it's vocal, it's emotional, it's intense, but his plea is to the character and heart of God who is merciful. He is merciful. What is the mercy of God? That's one of these words we throw around a lot in the church and uh, sometimes we can forget what we're we're even saying or meaning when we say this. It's related to God's goodness. Mercy is God's goodness towards those who are in misery and distress. Mercy is God's goodness to those who are in misery and distress. In distress. When God declared his name to Moses in Exodus 34, he said, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In 2 Samuel 24, David entrusts himself to the Lord's discipline for this ungodly census that he took. If you remember, God gave him uh, some options. Uh, for his punishment. And, and he thrusts himself upon God who is merciful. He says this, I am in great distress, David says. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercy is great. For his mercy is great. In Matthew 9, two blind men who want so badly for Jesus to notice them cry out, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. In Hebrews 4, we ourselves are invited to draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And it's not just that God is merciful but we're to imitate God's mercy and showing kindness to people in need. Jesus says this in, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So David's cry, it's emotional, it's intense, and it's, and it's an appeal and it's in pleading to the heart of God who is merciful. His very character is merciful. So that's his plea. Moving on, my plight, verses three and four. Next, David uh, brings his plight before the Lord. In verse two, he pours out his complaint. And this isn't to be taken as, you know, a, a, as a petulant kind of thing, but in a way that's simply pouring out his troubles before God. Just laying them out there. God, this is what's going on. 
This is what's going on. We talked about this a little bit last week, but God loves it when his children come to him with their troubles. His trouble is twofold here. He's in physical danger. His enemies have laid a trap for him, he says. But he's also alone. He says, look to my right. There's no one there. There's no one at my right. To sit at someone's right was, uh, was a reserved position of honor for close friends and for soldiers with high military authority. And David says, there's no one there. There's, there's no one there at my right. There's no refuge for him. No one cares for his soul, he says. He feels completely abandoned. Yet, even here there's hope. Even here there's hope. At his lowest and most depressed state, God is not unaware of his situation. David acknowledges God knows his way. He knows his way. When all hope seems lost and it seems uh, as though God has fallen asleep, David affirms that God has complete knowledge of his situation and his circumstances and that God knows the way out. God knows the way. He's the, the way maker, as a popular song says. And it's here in verse 3 where something really striking happens. To this point in David's prayer, he's only written in the first person about God. I cry out to God. I plead to God. I pour out my complaint to God. So it's all in the third person, but it shifts here. In verse 3, David is speaking now to God himself. And when he, when he starts to articulate his complaint, his trouble, he starts talking to God. He says, you know my way. You know my way. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. So too with us, when we are at our lowest and feel as though uh, no one notices our circumstances, God knows. God knows. He sees. He's not unaware and he has not fallen asleep. He knows. And he knows the way out too. So that's his his plight. Moving on to my portion. When David had no friends or allies to his right, God was at his right. David may have remembered his own words from Psalm 16. He says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. He is at my right hand. While David may have felt man forsaken, he was not God forsaken. He may have felt like everyone else had abandoned him, but not God. God is at his right hand. And while David was alone in a cave, by faith he could see that God was for important things to him and for him and for us also. So we're going to look at these four things under this point. The first thing is our refuge. First, God was a refuge for David from his enemies He's also the refuge for our weary souls when we are alone and vulnerable. Charles Wesley wrote this uh, in one of his hymns. He says, Other refuge have I none. Hangs my helpless soul on thee. In Christ, the Lord 
is ever at our right hand, meaning that we're not alone and uh, we are more than just not alone. The Lord who knows our way and our way out and who sovereignly holds all things in his hands. And it's he who is with us at our right in every cave of life that we may find ourselves in. He's with us. And he holds all things in his hand. It is he who is with us. And he is our refuge. He's also our portion. The Lord is our portion, meaning that he's all that I want. He's he's my treasure. He's my portion. In Genesis, when Abraham was returning from battle against the kings of the east who, uh, who captured Sodom and carried away his nephew Lot, Abraham was met by Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. And Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils of battle. And then Abraham gave back all the remaining spoils, everything that was taken from Sodom, he gave it back to the king of Sodom. So after this great victory, Abraham had a net gain of zero to show for it. He was also in danger from potential retaliation from these powerful kings he just defeated. And then, this is what God tells him in a vision in Genesis 15. We looked at this last week too, but I want to emphasize a different piece of it today. In Genesis 15, he says to Abraham, I am your shield, your very great reward. You might have nothing right now, Abraham, but you have me, and I am your very great reward. And this is the economy of the kingdom of God. Here's the math, ready? Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing, and yet Jesus plus Nothing equals everything. That's the economy of the kingdom of God. In Christ, Jesus is the great treasure of our souls and the hope of heaven. And sometimes people will talk longingly about heaven because of the streets of gold and the mansions and, uh, and all the stuff that's going to be there. Uh, or even longingly with uh, you know, affection for seeing family members and nothing wrong with any of that. But the reality, though, is that you could have all of those things, and yet, if Jesus were not there, it would not be heaven. You could have all of those things, and if Jesus was not there, it would not be heaven. So what makes heaven heaven is the fact that Jesus is there, and we get to be with Jesus. Amen? We get to be with Jesus. That's our treasure. He is the the great goal and the hope of our faith and the treasure of our souls. The Lord is our refuge and he is our portion. He's also our savior. David knows that his persecutors are too strong for him. He, He lacks the resources to save himself. His enemies are too strong, he says. So he must entrust himself completely to the Lord who alone has the resources to save him. When we are unable, God is always able to save. And that's what it takes to come to Jesus. 
That's what it takes. You've got to come to the end of yourself and realize that when looking inside of yourself and digging down deep, there's nothing there to get you out of that situation. It's only in Christ. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful place to be. To know that when you've got nothing to bring to the table and Jesus provides it all, it's a beautiful place to be. And the fourth thing, he's our liberator. David needed to be rescued, but he also longed to be free from that prison, that cave that he was pinned down in because it's God who is his great liberator. God is our refuge. He's our portion. He's our savior. He's our liberator. He's all of those things for the weak and the vulnerable who call out to him. Fourth and final point this morning, my prospect, verses six and seven. Lastly, the Lord is David's prospect. He's his good future. His future is in the Lord and with the Lord. He declares with such confidence that God will, future tense, deal bountifully with him. While he is alone, captive, and in danger now, he anticipates being surrounded by the righteous and giving thanks to the name of the Lord, his God, and worship. How can, how can he be this confident in his future? How, how can he know this? He knows this because he knows that God has promised to make him king. And he's not king yet. And he knows that God is faithful to keep his promises. It's, it's David's rock, solid confidence that this promise of God that assures him of this future tense, God will, God will rescue him. And so too, today, while we don't have the, the particular promise of kingship that God gave to David, we have promises too. We have promises too, and the Lord keeps his promises. Amen? The Lord keeps his promises. We've been promised that in Christ, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. God is working behind the scenes in all our circumstances for our good. For our good. It's Paul who proclaims so powerfully to the Corinthian church that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus. The Lord is our prospect. He's our good future. And his promises are more sure than anything this life can offer us. More sure. So this is the heart of God for the weak and the vulnerable. This is the, the, the wrap up here. God's heart is merciful. He's merciful, showing goodness to those who are distressed. He knows our way. And he knows the way out. He is our refuge. He is our portion. He is our salvation. And he is our liberator. He's, he's all of those things for us. Christ is good news for the weak and the vulnerable. And Christ is good news for the refugee, as we've been talking about refugees this morning. Uh, refugees, uh, many of them are so open to hearing about Jesus. They're so open. 
I remember uh, having a conversation with our missionary, Matt Paschal, who will be with us in a few weeks. Uh, I circle that date on your calendar, by the way, Tuesday, June, or July 13th. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Matt's a, a wonderful guy. He and his wife, Nicole, will be here uh, to tell us all about the work of God through their ministry in, in Europe with refugees. But uh, I remember him telling me this story uh, about Muslims coming into Europe and knocking on the doors of churches and just saying, we want you to tell us about Jesus. Imagine that. You know, how amazing would that be if we just had people knocking on our doors, you know, uh, tell us about Jesus. We want to hear about Jesus. <laughs> uh, it, what an incredible opportunity they have there. And Matt's involved in, in many ways with uh, ministry to refugees there. Uh, a lot of it has to do with training uh, local people and how to minister and share the gospel with these people. Uh, but the church uh, is, is alive. It's alive and it's growing. In church, Jesus has met our greatest needs. He's met our greatest needs. So let us love the least of those among us because we have first been so profoundly loved by Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we were uh, at a point of great need at the end of ourselves with no resources to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Yet you came down to us. You took on the form of your creation. You became a, a man, adding a, a, a full human nature to your divine nature. And you came to us. And you met us at our point of need. You died on the cross for our sins. Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven and to be given the righteousness of Christ by which we can stand faultless, blameless before the throne of God as a part of your forever family. Father, we pray that you would burden our hearts for the least among us in our community, for the poor and the homeless, uh, for uh, the refugees. Father, help us to be a church that loves the least because we know that we were the least too. And we've been given so much in Jesus. So Father, burden our hearts because of the gospel, because of the love that we've been shown by Jesus. Help us to be a, a loving people, a, a merciful people, a people who, who go to those in need and not wait for them to come to us. Because you came to us, Lord. And we are so thankful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.